0: Take Refuge in the Jewel with three parts. Looked at one way, the Buddha, the Unwakened Mind, the Exemplar. Looked at another way, the expression of Truth, the Dharma, the teachings leading to freedom. And looked at the third way, the manifestation of that in the Sangha, the only place that love and kindness can function. Welcome to the opening night of this October 2022 session. I think it's entitled Longing for the Ancient Way. It used to be. And I actually don't know what that means, except years ago, we <clears> had <throat> a conference, and the title of the conference was Longing for the Ancient Way. And I thought it was so kind of poetic and mysterious. Said, oh, that'd be a great title for a session. So, <clears throat> May we touch the truth of the ancient way that has always been present. Now, it's nice, as we begin this session, to clarify, to reiterate the purpose of session, at least one of the views of it. And in essence, it is to experience and to recognize our truest, most honest, foundational nature. So that we can function in the world in a way that is skillful and beneficial. And in the Buddhist tradition, that's called bodhicitta the aspiration for awakening for the sake of all beings. And in a way, this is the easiest thing in the world, is to see our true nature. Easiest thing in the world because you open your eyes, right there. You feel your skin, right there. You hear a sound, right there. You move, right there. But it's also the hardest. Literally, it's also one of the most, if not the most difficult thing to see clearly, despite how obvious and present it is. To see things as they are, to see the reality that is, the depth and inclusive nature of this moment, it means that all of the energies of the world, of us, are also included, are part of that. And the skillful, the neutral, the unskillful flavors and energies all pass through. And that is, one level, the way things are. But because of our cultural, our familial, our developmental, our karmic backgrounds, our reasons, our history, we have inadvertently lost sight of the flowing nature of the inclusive mind. Forgotten the experience of our true nature. We've forgotten. The experience of the whole, complete nature of this dreamlike world. We've forgotten, we've lost track of our intertwined connection, our intertwined being with others. And we have lost track of these because we have clutched onto our false ideas. Of ourselves in the world. And part of Sushin is to examine these, not to get rid of them, not to make something go away, but to see what is true. And in seeing what is true, it no longer grips us. We recognize a dream is a dream, the contents of the dream become less compelling. The false ideas that we have about ourselves, the nature of the world, false ideas create friction, create extra hardship, create dukkha, and make it more and more difficult to actually feel deeply alive and to function in a way that is skillful the friction between our between reality and our mistaken notions the friction between reality and our confused sense of the world the friction between the nature of the world true reality our personality, is painful. And that very pain, that very friction, is part of the aspiration for awakening, part of the aspiration to practice. And doing Sashin and looking directly at the nature of mind, looking directly at our challenges to that realization, we begin to see that our personality <clears throat> is significantly smaller and less important than we imagine it to be. That all of the stratagems that we have for enhancement and protection really don't matter much and don't amount to much. But we also during Sishin, can see that our position in the world, our place in the field, is infinitely more vital and important than we recognize. So our personality is seen through, whereas our true nature, which is the foundation of life, becomes clear, obvious. So what are the found, what are the false ideas, <clears throat> what are the ways that we obscure the truth? Or we occlude its movement through our minds? It's pretty straightforward. There's a sensation, a thought, or an experience even something we have dreamed, a memory, which we don't like, which might be scary, which might be hard, which might be undesirable, and because it is undesirable, we pull away from it, we shrink, we block it away, we put on a little bit of armor. And it may be something that happened early in our life, or maybe a cultural remnant, or maybe an old karmic thread, but there is something that is not palatable. Something that is not, does not feel digestible. Something that does not feel wholesome. Something that feels like it's an obstacle and it's painful, and we retract from it. And we pull away from the direct experience of our own wholeness. And we block, and avoid, that which we don't like. And traditionally, there are five ways that we block our own wholeness, called the five hindrances. And these are in unskillful stratagems which we have adopted, which we have believed, somehow will lead us to comfort and freedom, and yet have exactly the opposite effect. As Shantideva says, we all dislike suffering, and yet we cling to the causes of suffering. The five hindrances essentially are that we think what we're experiencing is not so good and the mind begins imagining something more sensual, something more pleasant, something more comforting. We stop feeling what is and fall into the fantasy of sensual desire. Or we touch something in our life which we truly don't like, which perhaps scares us, and we avoid it by becoming angry by pushing away, by judging. Or we touch something in our life which is scary, and we flee, we run away from it. We don't want to know it. We avoid it. And become we become restless, anxious, moving away where there is some part of us which is difficult to digest. And because it's difficult to digest, we become lazy. We think that, well, I will sleep it away. I will fall into kind of a drowsy, half-awake state, and that is better than actually feeling the reality of my life. And so we fall into torpor sleepiness. Or, we become skeptical. Skeptical doubt, doubting our practice, doubting our heart, doubting our ability. Skeptical doubt is a way of separating. It's a way of putting a wall between what we're doing and us. Between us and what needs to be done. Skeptical doubt is a way of hiding. A way of diminishing, a way of diluting the job by pulling away from it and dismissing it. And because of our, again, our cultural baggage, our emotional and personal baggage, we have grasped a hold of these stratagems, and we somehow think that they are real, and they are doing us benefit, and they are helpful. In reality, they are part of the causes of suffering. These five hindrances, only, we only need to see what is true. They are not something to be gotten rid of. The getting rid of state of mind is a suffering-causing mind. And so, as we begin to meditate, as we begin to become intimate, as we begin to get close to our own direct experience, and we watch ourselves flicking away, we watch ourselves flitting away, we watch ourselves just skipping away, we watch ourselves not being comfortable being in our own skin, we can notice the habitual pattern. And then with patience, with mindfulness, with concentration, and with the acceptance that is the foundation of love, rather than give them credence, rather than to reify them, these five hindrances, rather than to stoke and pretend the reality is greater than it is, we become close to them, we move in, we touch, we become one with, The nature of practice is when we encounter a challenge, a difficulty, whether it be physically or mentally or emotionally, we move in close to see what it consists of, what it's made of, what its texture is, what its reality is. And in moving in close to our own experience with the intimate acceptance that is the foundation of love, (coughs) we begin to not be deceived by our old, unskillful habits. And we begin instead to dance cheek to cheek, breath to breath, with reality. We begin to get so close that we're no longer scared of our own experience. We come to Session to see what is deeply true about ourselves and to do our best to embody the deepest truth. And we embody the deepest truth and become exemplars for other people and encourage them to also investigate and see what is deeply true. So that as we look into the root of reality, We can then, because we have seen that path, we can encourage other people to look into the roots of reality. As we practice the freedom and the purpose of bodhicitta, then we can hopefully inspire others to realize that freedom is possible. There are realms in this world where nobody understands that freedom is really possible. And yet, as we practice, we begin to realize and we begin to see directly that our circumstances do not dictate our experience. Viktor Frankl, the psychologist, the psychiatrist in Auschwitz, would say that the, the only thing that can't be taken away from us is our, our attitude, our intention, our freedom at this level. Session is a way of finding liberation. Session is a way of seeing into and through the habitual blockages that we carry. Shin is a way of practicing with patience, presence. And we are willing to be present and to accept that this body-mind is the way this body-mind is. And that acceptance is the foundation of love. You cannot have love without acceptance. It doesn't mean agreement. It means acceptance. And the third Part, willingness to be present, acceptance, and the third part is the aspiration to help others. We recently read an article here by Master Sung San Sanem, the Korean song teacher, Son teacher, who basically said that if your motivation is I want to feel good, your motivation is I want to comfort and peace, that's fine, great. You will practice until you feel comfortable and peaceful, and then you will stop. But if your aspiration is to help and be beneficial, be a benefit to others, if your aspiration is to liberate, save, help all beings, then that aspiration goes beyond the temporary idiosyncrasies of our moment-to-moment existence. During Sishin, we explore and we unfold and we reveal these by, first off, diminishing the cognitive activity of separation. We become intimate as I was talking about, but the cognitive activity of separation blocks that intimacy. And it's the function of words is to separate. The function of words is to discriminate this from that. So the place of inclusive being is before words. It can include words. But we have to start with before words. We can't start with words. So during session some of the foundations are don't talk. Don't talk. On the surface, it is a way for us to not fall into our usual habits of entertainment, discretion to entertainment and <clears throat> kind of rambling thoughts. But not talking internally to begin to find a place internally. Now we can't make the mind silent. If we start trying to make the mind silent, that stirs things up. And the very idea of i got to make the mind silent and the mind isn't silent and why isn't my mind silent and I should be more silent than this and I'm not doing it right is not productive. But we can discover, we can discover a place of stillness, a place of silence. Your hands are not thinking, your legs are not thinking, your belly is not thinking. They just are. And so by going into the isness of our own breath, of our own body, Going into the isness of our own breath, we take a step before the cognitive mind has sliced and diced. Don't talk. Discover the place that is not talking in your own heart, and call to that. Don't write. Every time that we are writing, whether we're writing poetry or journaling or essays or whatever, it stimulates, wakes up, that particular mind of separation. This is not an ultimate truth. This is not, say, never write and never talk. That would be dumb. But during session during this period where the intention is to see what is richer and deeper and broader than the 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 cognitive separating mind avoid these as a temporary expedient. Like you're trying to do homework and you turn off the TV, turn off the radio, you give up your cell phone. And another little aid to this is don't spend time looking into other people's faces. This is not about that kind of relationship. As soon as we look at somebody else, our personality and their personality begins to kind of get stirred up. Your personality is not that important. Your place in the universe is vital, but the personality is not that important. So when we're not looking at other people directly, the personality is less likely to be triggered in that same way. Not a hard thing. Custody of the eyes, as they talk about in some traditions. But because we are all here together and because we are all in the same boat and because we have to respect and appreciate each of these very unique worlds that we're encountering, each of these lives, each of these people, as we pass we bow, hands palm to bow and bow as an acknowledgement of this person's life, of this person's essence, of this person's potential for awakening, of this person's awakening. One way of framing this bow is everybody in the world is doing just fine, exactly what they need to do, and they're all fantastic except for you and so out of humility out of <clears throat> out of a sober reflection on our particular personalities place in the world we simply bow out of respect at all for all these exemplars who are functioning freely Session is not about being taught something. It's not about, it's not dependent upon having a leader who then says, okay, I understand the Pali Canon, and if you understand the Pali Canon the same way I understand the Pali Canon, then you will be free. Rather, Session is an opportunity for each person to do their own work, for each person to walk the path, step by step by step. And the container and the leadership is only here to enable, to support, to help you in that endeavor, in that walking. Each of us is walking. Nobody can take a step in our place. Nobody can swallow a bite of food in our place. Nobody can breathe in our place. Nobody can practice and see the true nature of mind and find the source of acceptance and loving-kindness in our life except for us. but Please, have confidence. Have confidence And that which is already breathing you, that which is already seeing you, that which is already awake. Have confidence. And practice wholeheartedly. Practice assiduously. Practice completely through the ups and downs and the vicissitudes of this week. Have deep faith. Everything is in its right place.